everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the carousel project my face already hurts from laughing so much so buckle up because it is going to be an episode i am josie maida and you can always find me on all socials at josie maida and i'm kate you can find me on all socials at kate killebrew and I'm Adam. You can find me on all socials at Epcot Adam. Heck yes, you can. All right. So this week we are talking about Mary Poppins, the one and only. Um, so to kick it off, our question today is what is your favorite Mary Poppins song? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's going first? Kate. Okay. Um, it's tough to choose just one, but... If I had mm-hmm. to, I mm-hmm. think I would go with Spoonful of Sugar because growing up, I loved the cleaning up sequence. I thought it was so mm-hmm. cool how they made things get cleaned up quickly. Plus, it has the very first audio animatronic ever in it, the Robin. So, Spoonful of Sugar for me. Very cute. There's a drink called the Spoonful of Sugar at Club 33. It's a non-alcoholic Ooh. drink that's cotton candy Ooh. flavored. I want that. And wow. when I worked there, and even now when I go to visit, that's like my favorite drink. I drink it literally all the time. It is straight up like cotton candy syrup. and It's so good. Dang, I need that. Wow. Okay, let's get one. Okay, next. What's or your favorite two. song? Oh, um, <laughs> I, like, like Kate, it's very hard to choose because pretty much the soundtrack for both Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Returns are practically perfect in every way. But um, I I guess I have to agree with Kate. Spoonful of Sugar is just amazing. And I love the, in as a, as a musician and songwriter, I love in Saving Mr. Banks when they're showing the Sherman Brothers um, writing that song and just like the process and everything. And um, also in Mary Poppins Returns, Trip a Little Light Fantastic is just absolutely amazing. It can't be topped. Um, I love the song Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns because, you know, as someone with a mother who has passed away, of course, that song was like, you know, made, made for people in my situation. But um, I love the very first song in Mary Poppins when Bert is singing. And I specifically love the beginning part where he's like talking. I don't. It's not necessarily the whole song. I just really, I don't know why. I literally sometimes will put on Mary Poppins and like just watch that part and then be like, okay. That you, was you're enough. just like Michael Scott. You don't need the whole thing. You just need a taste. Yeah. I just, exactly. That was enough. <laughs> it opens pretty strong though. So I could totally see where, you know, mm-hmm. they sweep in. It's, it's just on so him. Like and chilling and yeah. he's like, winds in the east. Winds in the east. <laughs> Mist coming in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just very intense, and you're like, you could tell it's about brewing, to be about to begin. Like film. you're yep. like, oh okay. Um, and so, yeah, I love that one. And now I want to go. I haven't seen Mary Poppins Returns since it, I saw it in theaters. So now <gasps> oh, I want to go oh, watch it's it. So good. Kevin it so watches good. it for a month at a time, every six months or so. So I am okay. very well versed. And if you want to come visit us in Louisiana. <laughs> You could watch it. Will Kevin watch the whole thing or will he stop it in the middle? Right. For you, he might watch the whole thing, but usually he'll stop it about halfway through and start it back over. Paris, um, our friend Paris, who she will be so excited to even be mentioned right now on the podcast. She loves our podcast. Hi, Paris. Hi, Paris. She used to watch Kevin and she would never, she never got to see past the penguins on Mary Poppins (laughs) because Kevin would watch it and stop it at the penguin scene. 
um, every single time. He'd be in a different room. He'd go back in, rewind it again. Honestly, he gets further than I do because I literally, once again, I told you I watched that the first, first scene. Lines. And then I'm like, all right, Bert, say it again. All right, Start Bert, over, buddy. Say it again, Bert. <laughs> say it again. Give me those chills. Give me those chills, baby. Um, so, you know, again, he gets farther you know than i do so kudos to kev on that Yay, kevin honestly it just depends kevin on the so film much. yeah well do we want to start where do we want to start i think well we all know it's so hard because i know we want to talk about saving mr banks later but that's kind of like the story of how mary yeah. poppins came you know to be um and how walt it took like a long time for him to be able to get this movie off the ground and i think it's really special that this was a movie that he was so involved in because at this later state in his career he really wasn't as involved in the movie making anymore you know what i mean like he had kind of moved on to start working more on the parks and that's where he was putting his attention mm-hmm. um And so I think it's really huge to mention that, like, especially as we saw in Saving Mr. Banks, like, this was a really important movie to him. Yeah. Well, I thought we should just mention, too, that, like, for those who don't know, Mary Poppins is from a book series. It's not just one book. Um, There were actually eight over um, from 1934 to 1988. So even after the film came out, P.L. Travers was still putting out those Mary Poppins stories, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. I knew it was a book, but I didn't know there were so many of them. Yes, there were were, um, eight to be exact. And um, she explained in a semi-autobiographical... How do you say the word autobiographical? Autobiographical. Okay. There you go. Um, (laughs) Okay. Um, And P.L. Travers would explain in a semi-autobiographical book called Aunt Sass, that Poppins was based on her great aunt, Helen, who she called Aunt Ellie. Um, what I think is so interesting about P.L. Travers and since... They kind of showed that in the yeah. movie, too. Well, I was going to say, in Saving Mr. Banks, they talk a little bit more about her childhood and everything, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's so interesting to me that she took on her dad's name um, as her, like, I guess, author name, because she was born Helen Lyndon Goff. But she goes by Ooh. Pamela Lyndon Travers, and her dad's name was Travers Goff. So um, I think it just shows a lot about how much she loved and cared for her father, which we get to see a little bit of in Saving Mr. Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie is so. That movie is. is really good. Yeah. Yeah. That out of really all the good. Mary Poppins movies there are, <laughs> that one might be my favorite. Honestly, like if we're classifying all the different movies, like I think that one was really my favorite was Saving Mr. Banks. If you haven't seen it out there, definitely, definitely it is worth it. Do it. Yeah, it was really good. I remember when I first saw the preview for Saving Mr. Banks and I just gasped seeing Tom Hanks portraying Walt Disney, which that was the first. He's played so many iconic characters, Mm -hmm. like incredible. And, And towards the end when he, spoiler alert, when he goes to Disneyland. Like, yes, unbelievable. it's magical. So it's magical. So good. So are we starting with Saving Mr. Banks or do we want to talk about like what really happened between Walt and P.L. Travers? Because a lot yeah, of Saving I think, Well, Mr. that's what Banks I was saying. Is... I want to start with the beginning of what happened between Walt and P.L. Travers, what happened when the movie was coming out. I was just saying like as we see in Saving Mr. Banks, you know, because it's yeah. kind of cool how that's almost like a, a prequel. But yes, well, we should definitely talk about the, the real world 
you know, first. Yeah, because that's what, um, I mean, Saving Mr. Banks is a docudrama, as in it's based on true events, but there's some of it that's dramatized. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I feel like they did. A Although really I like good to job. pretend none of it is dramatized. Yeah. Okay. I of like course. To pretend it is all 100% fact. So basically, Walt's start with Mary Poppins was in the early 1940s when his daughter Diane, um, he made a promise to his daughter Diane that he would adapt her favorite children's book into a movie um, that would eventually become Mary Poppins. Um, Walt made his. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Walt made his first bid for the rights to this film in 1938. And wow. he was denied because at that time, all he had was, uh, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. He really didn't have any movies under his belt at the time. So he was denied. Yeah. Um, his first in-person meeting with Travers was actually not during the period of time with Saving Mr. Banks. He met her back in 1959 in London when he was visiting the set of Kidnapped. Um, and this was when he would start to convince Travers that it was in her best interest for the, them to work together. Um, Which is so crazy. Like, I couldn't imagine writing a book and having someone be like, we're going to turn it into a movie. Yeah. Which it seems like she wasn't even that interested in. But still, that is that is crazy. And then, um, according to Oh My Disney, Walt actually sent Roy to CPL Travers in 1944 um Mm -hmm. and was it was still a no so in 1961 which is where um you know saving mr banks takes place travers flew to la because she was finally agreeing to sell the rights of mary poppins but she had one condition that she was gonna need to be given script approval which was an unprecedented arrangement for like for disney movies and stuff because most of the movies disney had made at the time the authors and stuff were long gone so he didn't have to worry about that kind of detailing um Disney offered to pay her $100,000 plus 5% of the movie's gross earnings um, for the rights. And honestly, the main reason that she ended up making the deal was that she had run out of money, which they kind of talk about in Saving Mr. Banks. So that was why she finally gave in. Um, That's so crazy. Like, damn it. Like, yeah. I have no choice. Like, she didn't to, like, want to, but here she is. Which is crazy because then she wrote all those other books, which I wonder if it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg. Was she going to write all those extra books or was it after the movie came out? It was like, okay, now I have the opportunity to like right. write all these yes. books because people care. So I would, I would guess that all these other books happened because of the excitement of Mary Poppins. Like, yeah. basically, she had written four of the books before. Yeah. And then in 1962, which was one year after she went to L.A., she wrote the next one. And then the next ones would be written in 75, 82, and 88. So if I had to guess, she's like, let me just ride on these coattails a little longer. Heck, yeah, I would. I would. And you would do it, too, for a check. Oh, definitely. <laughs> she was the employee. Definitely. She was the employee of the month. So, um, P.L. Travers was the employee of the So, month. it's not a secret that P.L. Travers was not a fan of the Mary Poppins film. Like, she was not a fan of it. But some of her specific dislikes for this movie included the animated sequences. She wanted them to scrap the Jolly Holiday scene completely. She asked after the premiere that they go back and scrap the scene, and Walt was like, no. Um, <laughs> I really want to read the books because I'm like, 
how far did they, you know what I mean? Like it's hard for me yeah. to understand because I saw that in Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. And I've always said like, oh, I really want to read the books because it's like, okay, well, how far did they stray from what was in the movie? Right. So from what you I know understand, what I mean? they basically went, um, they went based off of the first Mary Poppins book, Mary Poppins, and then Mary Poppins comes back. Um, and this is a little bit jumping around, but the Sherman brothers, they were asked to write um, songs from their favorite scenes in the books two and a half mm-hmm. years before Disney even got the rights for the film. Like they Dang, were working I wish, on we need this. Walt's confidence. Yeah. We need Walt's confidence, honestly, that he was like, yeah, just get started because I'm going to get it. Yeah. Like, like basically right. he gave them, it will be mine. Basically, he gave them the book and said, like pick your favorite scenes um, from the from the books and like write some songs and so for two and a half years before they even had the rights these these this brotherly duo was out here writing songs for a film that was not guaranteed to happen at the time which I think is so funny and it's also crazy can we like. I haven't, I didn't, it's been a while since yeah. I watched the full documentary of the two brothers, yeah. but like that they didn't really like each other. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I didn't look too much into that. I know that they were That has nothing to do with Mary Poppins. Yeah, I know that they, they like worked on the music, but that's yeah. another thing we should dig into the Sherman yeah, Brothers because truly. apparently they like didn't like each other. Well, I know one thing I found interesting was that. Me and my brother. <laughs> one thing that I found interesting was that they apparently worked exclusively for Walt until his death in 1966. So like at that point they were working exclusively for him, which explains why they would like be writing these songs and meeting him at the studio late at night. And, you know, they talk, Mm -hmm. they always talk about how Walt loved the song feed the birds. And like to his death, he would tell them like, play this song for me. Like that was his favorite, not his favorite song in the film. Like his favorite song of all time was feed the birds from Mary Poppins. Um, but yeah, she didn't like Dick Van Dyke's casting. She didn't like that Mary Poppins was attractive. She didn't like that the Sherman Brothers songs. We knew this. She fought with them a lot in Saving Mr. Banks. Um, and then she didn't like the shift in the time. I'm guessing they shifted the time frame back because, you know, Mary Poppins, the movie takes place in turn of the century, like early 1900s. And I think the film, I think the books took place like, in the 1930s like when the book was published i'm thinking so anyway those were her main dislikes um just a few so yeah so crazy it's so sad too because you're like mary poppins is one of like the most crazy you know what i mean like oh yeah it was everyone freaking loves mary poppins and it's she's not still alive right oh no she She, passed away um she passed away in 1996 she was born in 1899 so she was two years older than walt and she passed away in 1996 dang so she lived a nice long life she outlived him yeah that's what i thought a long time again you would think like she'd be so proud like that's what was so confusing i think for everybody is like girl your story is told in such a big way you had disney work for two decades to get the rights to your film for two decades this man sought this woman out to get you know to make this happen which is because he's one of the best storytellers of our generation so like of uh, not our of like 
multiple generations. Yeah, like, how time. must that feel to? But like, she <laughs> did turn not him down. Well, I will say um, one fact that I found while researching that I thought was pretty interesting is Mary Poppins. Uh, the Disney's Mary Poppins was not the first on-screen portrayal of Mary Poppins. Um, that took place in 1949. Um, Mary hmm. Wick, Mary Wicks played Mary Poppins for a CBS teleplay. So. And was she pretty or was she ugly? Um, they had one picture of her in the article I saw. Like she looked, she looked all right. You know, it wasn't she wasn't like ugly, but that that's the thing. I don't know. Like, did she want her to be homely, or she just didn't like that Julie Andrews was like so beautiful? I that's the thing. Without, I, I guess, I guess we'll never really understand truly. But it sounds like she just didn't like the basically the story of her childhood, kind of being in this, you know, imaginative, fantastical world. Because apparently in the book, Mary Poppins isn't, you know, as friendly and all of that. She's more, like, matter-of-fact. You know, mm-hmm. she does do, like, the rhymes and things, but it wasn't it wasn't as yeah. whimsical as Walt Disney But that was what I it. loved. I and feel she like didn't Mary Poppins want it to be a musical. She didn't want it yes, to be a musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I a big that. thing. That's what I think I love about Mary Poppins, though, is she still is, like, pretty, like, yeah. I don't want to say hardcore, but they still keep her, like, she's pretty, you know. Spit spot. Yeah. She yeah. She was, like, yeah. she kept him in line. Well, yeah. apparently the aunt also spoke in rhyme, so, like, that was one thing that was worked in. But, yeah, no, she did not want it to be a musical. This this woman did not, was not a fan. Like, cannot say it enough, was not a fan, wept at the premiere out of sadness. Like I thought she wasn't invited to the premiere. She was not invited to the premiere. So this is what what happened. She was not invited to the premiere um in the US. Like I think Walt was basically just like, okay, you know, she'll go to the London premiere or something. She apparently called or, you know, sent him correspondence that she would be attending the premiere at the Chinese <laughs> theater and she would need she a said, ticket. She bitch. said, I will be there. So oh, he had curse. to have a ticket. He had to have a ticket I, I ready say, for I her. held out for a while this episode. I know. Yeah. She, said, she said, I will be there. I need a ticket. So she was not invited. She let him know she was going to be there. Um, Good for her, as she should. I would have too. Yeah. It was a huge, I think that's a great way to lead into this really cool New York Times article that I found. So I found a New York Times article from July 24th, 1964. So this was before the movie came out. And it was from, like, it was on the website But it was from 1964 and it talks about how a major advertising and merchandising launch was being planned around the film Mary Poppins and the quote was to give it the Bollyhoo that was Davy Crockett. So if you've listened to us for a while, you have heard us talking about the Davy Crockett, you know, little cap craziness that there was um basically what happened in date with Davy Crockett was that people wanted merchandise from the show so badly people were obsessed with um with the show and that was the first time that like people really saw how lucrative advertising and merchandising could be that went along with 
a show. Yeah. So the Davy Crockett, especially that it was a Disney production, really changed that merchandising. So it seems like with Mary Poppins, since this was very shortly after, they really were like, okay, we're going to advertise this and we're going to do a big merchandise push. So in late August of 1964, the film opened with a grand premiere at Los Angeles in the Chinese theater. Um, That's like the big one that you, you know, see pictures of. Mm -hmm. Um, But shortly after, the film premiered in New York City at Radio City Music Hall and then was followed Mm. by 15 premieres like across the country. It it didn't really say. It said followed by 15 premieres in different cities. I think it was across the country, Probably. but it might have been the it might have been the world because you're saying there was maybe one in London. Yeah. So it was followed by premieres in 15 big cities. So big big style premieres. So then it said that there were um tie-ins were scheduled with companies like Kraft Foods Division of the National Dairy Products Company and the National Sugar Refining Company. Um, In addition, 38 licenses were appointed by Disney to produce Mary Poppins merchandise. So back in the day, they didn't necessarily like make the merchandise themselves and that's kind of what happened with these little like caps for Davy Crockett was they had to very, very quickly like on a dime get that licensing out to other companies but in this one they were smarter about it so 38 licenses were appointed by disney to produce mary poppins merchandise um these are among the 100 manufacturers affiliated with an on a on a year-round basis primarily to make merchandise based on staple disney characters such as mickey and donald so at that time they had about 100 manufacturers they had 38 licenses for the for these products and they were like we are going to push out mary poppins stuff So they had uh, retail shelves that started in September of that year. Um, There was advertising, girls' dresses, and boys' apparel from two different companies that I guess were popular back then, Alyssa Incorporated and Highline Company. Mm. Um, And then it says Dolls by the Horseman Division. So again, like big companies at the time, it said that other licensing uh, arrangements were made with manufacturers for houseware, toys, jewelry, um, and it said that Mary Poppins would appear in King Features. So I don't really know what that is, but it said a syndicate's cartoon series and in 4 million books reprinted by various publishers. Wow. Um, Wow. A Disney official said that there was... Uh, like a crazy budget more than any other picture ever by the company. And another said that the public would receive a billion and a half impressions of Mary Poppins between September 1st and December 31st. So they were really pushing it for the rest of that year. And I think that's where like the marketing part of this magic comes in because Mary Poppins, again, we have to think about the timing of all of this. Mm -hmm. Walt was really, again, more towards building things for the theme parks at this point. This is right around the time of the 1964 World's Fair. Mm -hmm. So that really was Walt's baby was like doing more stuff for the park. He was starting to dream about Florida. He had the 1964 World's Fair pavilions. So that's really where his attention was. But Mary Poppins, since he had been after it for such a long time, you know, was a a special project. Um, And I think this this shows that, that they were like, okay, we learned what we learned from Davy Crockett, as we've talked about on the show before. And they were like, we're going to do that. But like, a million times more like we're gonna be ready so it really was crazy and it was so cool to find this article from 1964 in the New York Times of them talking about all of the different things and it was so weird just to have them like reading it as like 
it's written as like this is what's going to happen when it happened in 1964. So yeah. we're just reading it now. Like this happened so long ago. A cool um, 57 but, years ago. So yeah, it was just really, really cool. Um, and I thought it was so funny that they finished the article with one thing seems certain, however, there won't be ever any raccoon skin caps. Because that was what oh, was yeah. so popular was those like little caps that he had worn. So yeah, anyway, I just thought it was really cool that they expressly compared it to Davy Crockett. And we've talked about that before. Because when I tried to do research for that, I couldn't really find much. So it was interesting that I found it now linked to Mary, to Mary Poppins. Poppins. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it's super, super cool that like that really was a huge thing back then. So yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. And again, it, it kind of reminded me reading about that in, the, in 1964 that like, dang, this really was when like other big things were going on for the company. Like as big as Mary Poppins is, that was only one little thing going on at the time. Well, right. and it's important to remember that Mary Poppins was in production in 1962. So mm-hmm. it was two mm-hmm. two years before. So he, like with the premiere, that was obviously in 1964. But Walt, he had gotten the right people in, I feel like by 1964 to be able to handle the promotion, the marketing side, oh, all yeah. that. Because like you said, he was preoccupied with the 1964-1965 World's Fair. But yeah, and I think about that all the time because my mom was born in 1964, so that year stands out to me. Yeah, she was born in June. (laughs) So I always remember that Mary Poppins came out in 1964 and then, of course, the 1964 World's Fair. So yeah, I mean, 1964 was the year. It was a big year. But yeah, I just thought that was so cool. I was like, dang, there was so much going on. There was so much going on back in the day. And yeah, I just, again, I thought it was such a cool article and we will link it in the show notes, yes, but I thought that was just like the coolest notes. thing. So you mentioned the budget. The budget for this film was um, four to 4.6 million. And if you've watched um, One Man's Dream in Disney's Hollywood Studios, Walt talks about how the budget continued to rise, but he never saw you know, a sad face on set. So I'm, I have a feeling the budget probably got even higher than that by the time the film was done. But in the box yeah, I'm office, sure it, was crazy. it worked out because it made 103.1 million in the box office, big Woo-hoo! money, big payoff. Wow. Um, and actually the film did so well in theaters that it actually ran through the year of 1965 as well. And it passed up, the Sound of Music, Julie Andrews' third film that she was in, mm-hmm. um, it passed it up for highest grossing film of 1965 because Mary Poppins was still in theaters for a whole year after. Yeah. That's crazy. So crazy. Um, I just did the inflation calculator. So $4.6 million in 1964 would be a little over $41 million today. Dang. That's crazy. I also remember we used to tell this story when I worked at Club 33 because at the one in Hollywood Studios, there was a lot of different um, pictures to have to do with um, Mary Poppins. And we even at one time had some really cool pieces that we got to look at while we were like had Mary Poppins blocks and it it was really, really cool. Um, But anyway, that Mary, that Julie Andrews had wanted another role. Ooh, and she didn't yeah. get it. Let's talk about And this. that's why she did that's why she did Mary Poppins. Ooh. And this is the ultimate revenge story. If that doesn't show you story, that like truly. things sometimes are meant to be because like again Mary Poppins is like one of the most iconic characters of all times. Yeah. So 
Should we touch on this moment for a second? Because it was actually really Heck cool. yeah, we should. So Julie Andrews um, had actually gone for the part of Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Um, she was passed up for Hepburn, um, but since she did not get this role, she was able to take on the role of Mary in Mary Poppins, and she ended up winning um, the award for best actress Mm -hmm. up against the Eliza Doolittle role. And when Mm -hmm. she gave her acceptance speech, she actually thanked the director of My Fair Lady for giving her this opportunity to be Mary and Mary (laughs) Poppins because he passed her up for the... So it's one of those, like, thanks... Thanks for not seeing the good in me because I won. Yeah, anyway. and 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 I that is obviously also a very iconic role. That yeah. is also for my Disney fans. Um, in in my Disney early, t- do you know what I'm gonna say, Adam? Nope. In Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Oh nope, yeah, never seen it. That's seen the it. play that they're. That's the play that they're doing oh, that she's trying to yeah. get the part in. Oh really? Eliza yeah. Doolittle, yeah. So lady. they like. But they, they make do like it, a like, modern version, don't they? they yeah, yeah, they okay. make it modern. But that is the role that she's trying that to get in that movie. Was a, yep. <laughs> a teenage drama queen. Um, honestly, we'll never forget her Coke bottle necklace. How did we get here? Um, but yes. Yeah, so I, I think that's really cool. So yeah, 1964. Things are going great. Mary Poppins comes out. It's doing amazing. Um. Walt has his stuff at the 1964-1965 World's Fair. Like, he is really just, like, doing things at this point. Well, I did want to talk a little bit about the production of this film and some of the kind of cool things that happened. You know what? I'll I'll allow it. (laughs) So this was actually Julie Andrews' feature film debut. Um, Walt found out about her from... um, so I think I believe it was the Sherman brothers who saw her on the Ed Sullivan show performing from Camelot and they they put her name out there for the role of Mary so Walt actually went to New York to see her in Camelot and after watching her performance he went backstage and offered her the role of Mary with no audition can we believe can we like do you imagine just like be like Julie to be Julie Andrews truly Oh my gosh, but like to be discovered, like to do, to discover Julie, like to have Julie Andrews and I don't know, like she's just so iconic and epic. Like you think of someone who's been in show business for like their whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's crazy. So at that time, like the main issues for her, like being worried about taking the role were one, she was trying to go up for this Eliza Doolittle role in My Mm -hmm. Fair Lady, but she ended up getting passed up. But the second was she was actually three months pregnant when she agreed to the role and she wow. was afraid that once Walt found out she was pregnant like maybe it wouldn't be able to happen but Walt actually said they would halt production until she was ready so they waited for her to have her baby and she when she was ready to get the movie filmed that's when they ended up starting Dang, production. I didn't know that. I thought yeah. you were going to say, like, he was like, no, nah, it's fine. We'll just work super quick before you're showing. No, like- no. So I think that's why they started production in 1962, because he went and saw her in Camelot in 1961. So I'm thinking they took the year to let her have her baby and, and then go on to wow. do the role. Um, and then, yeah, so... Yeah, after that, they went on and uh, and did the movie. So some of the other cool things that happened, um, like I said, Travers was an advisor um, as a as a she was paid as an advisor as a film consultant for the film um, while she was there for the ten days that she was working with the Sherman brothers. Um, although she didn't approve 
many of the elements. Um, Although she approved nothing. <laughs> yeah. She was still like, he still gave her that right to be like an advisor. She was on the payroll for it. Um, most of her meetings were in LA with the Sherman brothers and um, Don DeGrady. So, Unlike the movie where we see a lot of her with Walt, that actually wasn't really the case because, like you said, he was doing 1964 World's Fair stuff. He was doing other stuff. So most of her meetings yeah. were with the Sherman Brothers. Um, mm-hmm. For this movie... He was a busy man. He was, okay? So all four of the sound stages on the Walt Disney Studios lots were used for this film. That's one thing that I did not really realize until... I did research because I assumed part of it was on the Walt Disney Studios lots, but I thought some of it was filmed in England because that's just what I've always assumed. Yeah. Um, It was all done in Burbank at the studios. Um, Wow. There was six weeks of rehearsing for this movie magic for you. Well, especially because for uh, Mary Poppins Returns, they filmed it in England. So I'm like, Hmm. what y'all doing, fam? Like, Y'all could have filmed it at studios. Anyways. Yeah, film it all in the lot. Yeah. So um, the, there were six weeks of rehearsing required for the step-in time number, and they were actually afraid that Walt was going to try to cut the sequence down. It was, I believe, nine minutes long when they wow. did it for him, and they were afraid he was going to cut it down to two minutes. But the opposite happened. He loved the step-in time sequence, and he actually elongated it to, I believe it's 16 minutes. So it, that worked out. See, yeah. this is why I can never get to, I honestly yeah. can't tell you the last step time I, like, time, dedicated myself to, like, yeah. really mm-hmm. watching Mary Poppins and, like, real, you know? Like, there's a difference between watching a movie and having it on in the background and, like, right. actually, yeah. I'm with Kevin. I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's get it moving. The first sequence that was filmed was the Jolly Holiday sequence, and that was so they would have the time to go and add the animation portion later. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so smart. And then the mechanical Robin um, in the Spoonful of Sugar scene was credited as being the first animatronic. Um, And the voice for the whistle was actually Julie Andrews. Um, She did the whistle Mm -hmm. for the Robin. Um, The children were not told about the things that Mary Poppins was going to do before she did them because they really wanted her, like, their genuine reaction to some of the things that she was going to do in the film, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, um, one, this is actually a really cool story. So the lady that plays the Feed the Birds lady in the movie, Jane Darwall, she had actually already retired from film. And Walt wanted her to be the bird lady so bad. He went and spoke to her about it. What the heck? Yeah, he wanted really? her for this role. So he actually went and met with her, and she agreed to do the role because he... Um, it was the last day of filming and he promised that he would go and have a limo pick her up and bring her home from the, from the filming. And that was apparently her last filming credit, like ever. She had retired in 1959. So she came out of retirement for waltz and a limo ride to film that scene. So I thought that was kind of cool considering feed the birds was like his favorite song of all time. He just had the vision. It needed to be her. 
So I know for a lot of us, we think about the carousel horses and, you know, that whole sequence, especially when it came to like the Disney parks and the great movie ride when you could see the horses like in the cases and stuff while you wait in line. So this is actually pretty cool. The horses were sculpted by a Blaine Gibson. Um, he's yeah, known, he's done, he did a yeah, ton of stuff. He's known for the partner statue. Um, he worked on Pirates, Haunted Mansion, and Hall of Presidents. Um, but the faces of each horse were actually sculpted to be caricatures of their riders. So oh, Mary's cool. horse, the face on the horse has some sculpting aspects to look like Mary, Bert, wow. and the kids, uh, which I had never noticed. I thought that was really no. cool. I'm going to look out for that when I watch it. If you make it that far. <laughs> if I make it. <laughs> the voice of Mary Poppins' um, umbrella parrot was actually the voice of Mr. Banks, um, David Tomlinson. And the stage where Mary Poppins was shot is now named after Julie Andrews. Um, they ended up shooting Princess Aww. Diaries on the same stage. So it's now known as the Julie Andrews Sob. stage. Um, it was dedicated wow. to her while they were filming um, Princess Diaries. I do, I do love Princess Diaries. <laughs> I love. I was just listening to the song from Princess Diaries in the car driving home today. Um, I think it's also really cool to talk about. We we talked about how successful Mary Poppins was, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it ended up just like we, you know, we talked about how when Walt first went after the movie, all he really had was Snow White. He kind of had to prove himself, and I feel like Snow White, like Mary Poppins, was kind of like a second Snow White for the company because it provided the company with so much money it at did. a time when they were really looking to expand, um, and that's when you know. Walt Walt's company that was Wet Enterprises, which worked on things for the theme parks, they were able to open a new facility called Mapo, um, M A for yeah. you know Mary and P O for Poppins. I know, I um, love that. And that was just huge for continuing, you know, Imagineering and building the theme parks and. Um, yeah, that was a whole new facility. So I thought that was really cool. And I've even, I think I've told uh, Kate and Adam when I got to go on my backstage tours of Haunted Mansion here in Walt Disney World, I was able to see some of the parts in that ride are so old that they still have the original like Mapo tags <gasps> on them. That's and so that was amazing. really, really, really cool to see like such a lasting legacy. And that all came, you know, from Mary Poppins, just like how Snow White kind of gave the money for them to build the studio and to kick things off with future movies. Um, Mary Poppins really really did a lot for the future of the theme parks, especially, you know, what Walt was really looking to do next, which was his dream to expand the parks to Florida. Yes. Um, I read somewhere that the funds from Mary Poppins were actually used to purchase the land in Florida for Walt Disney World. And then the, the Mapo thing was the big one. Like I, I didn't know about that, um, that side of WED, but I think it's so cool that they decided to give a nod to the funds from it with Mary Poppins. And then the fact that like she, the logo for like the name tags in the 1960s were her, sil the silhouette of Mary Poppins. And it said Mapo. I thought that was so fun. Um, apparently Mapo closed in 2012 though. So I was yeah. sad to see that. But before that, I mean, they were responsible for the animatronics, a lot of the vehicles, all that. It's just, it's crazy that that all came, like you said, from the success of one movie that they did. 
Mm-hmm. And then we have also, as we said, you know, Saving Mr. Banks and then Mary Poppins Returns, two very successful films that, again, came from, you know, from that original story that have continued, like Mary Poppins has continued to provide the company. I mean, she's a character still in the parks that's still a very popular meet and greet all yeah. these years oh, yeah. later. You know, she's still, like, I, I would say a coveted meet and greet. Um, you know, people dress up like her for, for Halloween and she's definitely like, it's all these years later, still, I think a very profitable partnership for the company. And I think that shows with how they, you know, were planning on giving us a Mary Poppins attraction. Yeah. Well, um, one of the things that I thought was kind of cool, cause we know that, you know, so over 30 songs were written by the Sherman brothers for this film, but 20 of them, about 20 of them were cut. Um, but Neil Travers said, yeah, those other yeah. 20, they yeah. suck. So, <laughs> so, you know, so many of the songs were cut, but the cool thing is one of the songs that was cut actually got to be, you know, reimagined because when Walt approached Glynis, Joan Glennis Jonas to uh, play Mrs. Banks. She was expecting him to be asking her to do Mary Poppins, and she he was not. He was asking her to be Mrs. Banks, and she agreed that she would do the role only if her character had its own song. So he wow. had the Sherman Brothers turn a scrapped song, practically perfect, into the sister suffragette number. Um, I would have loved to see the song called "Practically Perfect" happen. Um, Seriously, yeah. But yeah, so the one of the cool things that I found about this was that the first move Disney film to be on DVD ever was Mary Poppins. Um, was it really? really? Yes, in 1998, um, which I thought was such a random fact, but such a cool fact, and I feel like it speaks yeah, cause to I wonder the that impact probably was of a the huge, company. Yeah, because that was probably a huge decision, because that's, you know, like a... Yeah. That's pretty huge. Like, all right, what are we going to make this, like, first ever... Their first ever DVD you know. release was Mary yeah, Poppins. Yeah, that's huge. And then in December wow. of 2013, Mary Poppins was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry, and it is the only live-action Disney film to have been selected. Um... I also have Interesting. A, I also have a quote from Samuel Goldwyn um, in a letter that he wrote to Walt after seeing the film, which I thought was a really awesome quote. Um, he said, "Once in a lifetime, and only once, a picture comes along which cannot be compared to any other, and to which no one can be compared. A picture that writes a new page in motion picture history. You made it, Mary Poppins." So that was so true. That was his words to Walt. Um, Mary Poppins was also nominated for 13 Academy Awards and would win five Oscars. Um, it was also number one on the Billboard charts for 14 weeks in 1965. Wow. Um, an iconic film, to say the least. It really was and still is. Still. Yeah, 100%. But as far as like parks tie-ins, one thing I didn't know before researching was that there were actually concepts for Walt Disney World and Magic Kingdom to have a dark ride inspired mm-hmm. by Mary Poppins instead of a Peter Pan's flight. Um, 
but this idea was ultimately scrapped because Roy felt that many of the East Coasters may never experience Disneyland, and so he wanted them to experience the same attractions in Walt Disney World that they did in Disneyland. But um, basically, the original vehicle concept was going to be like an upside-down umbrella, and you were going to kind of like fly over London. Um, and then that is a, so cute. A secondary... Well, we were supposed to get an Epcot. <laughs> yeah, and then a secondary idea was um, like on the carousel, horses jumping into the chalk paintings um that Bert was drawing but like I said both got ideas got scrapped and then yeah as far as like the Epcot project goes that's where it gets a little gray for me because from what I understand it was not necessarily going to be a ride attraction it could have very well just been a meet and greet of like you go into Cherry Tree Lane meet Bert I mean not Bert meet um Jack meet the new Mary and that was going to be the meat like that was going to be what I it think was. it was I, I thought it was supposed to be an attraction but they really didn't announce many details when I they sat really in didn't the announce. D23 parks panel all they said was that they were bringing cherry tree lane to the UK and that there was going yeah. to be a new Mary Poppins experience but they never like you said they never alluded to yeah. what that meant a lot of people were hoping for a dark ride but I thought based I on hope logistics it one day. I hope that Mary Poppins ride because there are so many yes, shops back please. there which is great oh yeah but I feel like some of those shops could be very easily converted into uh, mm-hmm. an attraction and that would be super super cool and fun to finally see that attraction like you said like it has such deep history mm-hmm. not just that it's an older movie but that it has such deep history of like it was you know first ideated for magic kingdom all those years ago so right. i think that would be super cool for us to finally see something like that and i think it would make such a cool dark ride attraction yeah so as of now all we really have for mary poppins is you know the meet and greets like you said and then they have the jolly holiday bakery cafe in disneyland that opened in mm-hmm. 2012 Um, which they have lots of details of, um, you know, Mary Poppins tie-ins there. And then I was thinking about it, like, at the Grand Floridian in the DVC building, they have the penguins and the fountain. Yeah, yeah. they do. And isn't the, um, isn't Citricos Mary Poppins now? Yes, they did a Mary Poppins Returns. Has a lot of Mary Poppins-esque. And I I forgot about that one. That's a good one. And then I just thought we should talk about Jingles for a second. Um, That's Oh, we we love the Jingles. Yes, I love Jingles. Um, That was actually Walt's favorite horse on the Disneyland carousel. Oh, you didn't know who Jingles was. Oh, sorry. I was like, who the hell is Jingles? Okay, so the Disneyland carousel. James. um, Jingles. One of the actual lead horse of the Disneyland carousel is Jingles. It was Walt's favorite horse. So during the Year of a Million Dreams celebration in 2008, um, this horse, Jingles, was dedicated to Julie Andrews. Um, she was presented with Jingles um, since she was a theme, the theme park ambassador for Disneyland Resort for the 50th. Um, and so the saddle That's blanket so cool. features the. Mary Poppins silhouette. It also features mm-hmm. her boots with the robin on it, which I think is like a really fun touch. It also has a 50 for the 50th as her as the ambassador, and then it has a JA. So this is this horse is available on the outer ring of the carousel. They actually made a half-sized miniature for her as well that she got to take home. Um, which is amazing. And they, they actually consulted with her for this horse. They asked her her favorite colors, things like that when they redid it. But, um, 
I will say when Adam and I went in September, there is sometimes a wait to yes. ride jingles and it's worth the wait. And I will say it stops in the same place every time. It's right near the entrance, like where you can enter in. It, you'll you, have to go walk in the to the entrance, left. You turn to the left. I haven't right. been to Disneyland in so long. It's, it's the basically one with right across bells. from Mr. Toad's. Yes, um, bells all entrance. over it is jingles, yes. and it stops in the same place every time. We've confirmed we had to ride it two or three times in a row to be able to sit on jingles. Right, we hovered. We hovered for, it's jingles. Like, it's like when you go to a restaurant where like you seat yourself and you're waiting for someone to stand up from their table and you just hover. <laughs> it was we like hovered. that, but with a horse. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but with a horse named Jingles. <laughs> And Not a Josie real horse. Says, Who the hell is Jingles? <laughs> Who the hell is Jingles? <laughs> I feel like what's his name right now? I feel like Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec. Oh, um, about little, little Sebastian. Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> you doubted this tiny horse, and now you love him more than we do. And he's like, sure. And he looks at the camera yeah. like, what the heck? <laughs> okay, so let's just talk about um, saving Mr. Banks for a second. Um, so this, I'll allow it. Okay, thank you so much, Miss Josie. Okay, so <laughs> the star has spoken. <laughs> it starred Emma Thompson as P.L. Travers and Tom Hanks as Walt. Like I said before, this was the first ever depiction of Walt Disney in a mainstream film, um, which is crazy. Which I couldn't have thought of a better. I could not think of a better actor to portray. Honestly. They should do Our another man's. movie. They should. They should do another one before you know. While Tom Hanks is still in that perfect, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, phase, they should make yep. another. Agreed. Anyway. So the film is supposed <laughs> to take place in 1961. Um, I did pull some details from a Disney Parks blog article about some of the things they did to bring Disneyland back to 1961 in the oh, most authentic so way. Oh. So some of the details included redoing the floral Mickey flower bed because yep. at that point in time, it looked very different. Um, another thing was having to bring back out those attraction posters that would have been out in 1961. So wow. now where we see them in the tunnel where we walk through when you get in the parks mm-hmm. back then they were right in the front by the floral mickey um yeah flower beds like right on the gate right there so they they actually had to go back in the wdi art library to determine which attractions mm-hmm. posters would have been up and they had to try to match the coloring to get it as authentic as possible um but the big detail was on main street with the window displays they wanted to make sure they truly reflected 1961 um um, there was a bronze castle that used to be under the Elias Disney window. They had to recreate that that bronze castle for the film. Wow, that's wow, so cool. Wow, wow. So, um, yeah, I know for all of us, that was one of the big exciting parts of that movie was getting to see Walt in Disneyland. Um, so yes. I thought I would just include that. Yeah, that's very cool. I would have never thought about that. It's crazy, like, the things that they think about. Yeah. And honestly, as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going on Disney Plus and finding we're watching all of these. going yes. to that portion because I, I <laughs> haven't watch watched it in a while, but I need to. Seriously, it's such a good movie. I'm, I'm definitely ready to mm-hmm. watch it again. So, um... Although the movie released on December 13th, 2013, there was a world premiere at the Chinese Theater, the same place that Mary Poppins had its world premiere. Um, Heck yes. On November 7th, 2013, it was the first night of the AFI Film Festival. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is because Emma Thompson actually had her Chinese Theater hand and footprint ceremony that same night and she was presented wow. by tom hanks so she That's got her so handprint cool. and footprints outside the chinese theater 
at this world premiere for Saving Mr. Banks. Um, So that's all I have about Saving Mr. Banks. But Mary Poppins Returns... That, this film was released 54 years after the original. Um, it, so crazy. It released on Christmas Day in 2018. Mm-hmm. Emily Blunt played Mary. The movie is supposed to be set 25 years after the original film, so mid-30s in London. The director, Rob Marshall, only wanted Emily Blunt as Mary. He was said, if we're going to do this, it's got to be Emily Blunt as Mary. Same goes. That's so crazy that both times, like they had very someone in mind, and they were like, "This is that character." Got to be. I it. think Emily Blunt was a great, she great. Was I think she amazing. did great, and she had a lot of like um, worry about like doing the job justice. She would not watch mm-hmm. the original Mary Poppins. Um, she told them she would not sing any original songs. They needed to have new songs for the new film. She just wanted mm-hmm. to do the film justice. Um, yeah. And, and I think Julie Andrews was so respectful and wonderful about it as she always is. Like yeah. she was just the most classy, perfect, we wonderful her. person. Yeah, she is the best. So obviously the Sherman brothers were did not create all the music for Mary Poppins Returns, but Richard Sherman was a music consultant on the film. Oh, that's so sweet. And we all know Dick Van Dyke came back at 92. Yes to yes. play the son of Mr. Dawes Sr., which I just need to say, I was literally probably 22 years old, and I'm 28 now, when I realized that Mr. Dawes Sr. was Dick Van Dyke in the original movie. Like, I didn't, I never <laughs> knew that he was, that he was that character. I know most Dick people Van Dyke are like, is, duh. That's one of the people that I would probably, if I could meet Dick Van Dyke or Julie Andrews, oh, like, man. that just must oh, be same. like, wow. I could not imagine. I could not imagine. I just love that he, when he heard that the sequel was coming out, his response was, can I be in it? Like, he just knew. And Julie Andrews was so the opposite. I wish that she had been in it. Like, I understand she didn't want to take away from Emily Blunt, but I would have loved if she was just like in that last scene. I know. Something would have been so. I told Adam, I think, like, Low key, you guys they, talked without me. Yes, we did. Oh, this was the only time, so don't the, worry. One, one we thought time, you had five you. minutes. Um, we thought you were different. So <laughs> we, so we were talking, and I really think that the whole part where they have Angela Lansbury singing at the end, percent. I think that that part was supposed to be for Julie Andrews. Yes, which 1, is very percent. interesting because Walt actually had Angela Lansbury in mind for Mary back in the day before he found out mm-hmm. about Julie Andrews. So I think it's fun that she ended up coming back for the yeah. sequel and having a right part in for it. the last song. Yeah, I wish that was Julie Andrews. Uh, that's pretty much what I say about everybody. Always, I wish they were I Julie know. Andrews. So you know, I, you, got, you wish I was Julie Andrews. I yes. can't be me. Okay, no, I, I I mean I, I w- you can be I you, wish but I was I'm just letting Andrews. you know I would prefer I would prefer myself. I would Julie prefer Andrews. too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah, I, I think definitely it. we can see the successes here. It came into the park. It's Mary Poppins is such a huge part of Disney history, and it's crazy to think that a movie made so long ago is still making impact in the parks, in movies. And I, I loved that we were able to find that article that really talked about how this was a huge advertisement and and merchandise yeah. push. Um, and so I think that's really cool because I think it definitely impacted the way kids and people around the country like fell in love with Mary Poppins. It was everywhere. Clothes, jewelry, party, supplies, everything. So it's really, really cool to see all these years later that there's still such a big love and admiration and, and awe for the film. Agreed. So 
another Definitely. amazing episode of the Carousel Project. <laughs> As expected. As expected, of course. Um, thank you all again. We are so excited every single week to record a new episode, and we cannot tell you how much your support means to us. Um, you can find us at Carousel Project Podcast on Instagram if you want to talk some more, if you want to keep updated on, you know, what we're doing on when new podcasts are coming out, what the topic will be, but we love to hear from you there. Um, we love to hear about, you know, when you hear an episode that reminds you of something in your own life and yeah come find us there and as always we are loving those reviews on apple podcasts they bring us so much joy to get that feedback from you guys about the podcast and it's a great way to let apple podcasts know a little bit more about our our little passion project so if you wouldn't mind if you enjoyed this episode or one of the others you've listened to please leave us a review with both a rating and some comments letting them know what you love about the podcast we so much appreciate it and we would also appreciate if you told a friend about us share us with your friends and also um spotify rap just dropped today so if we made your top Ooh, podcast yeah. of the year, oh my god that would literally know, make my life shout out to our friend steph because she already tagged us in her uh, top five podcasts of the year so oh, we love, I love it that. And yes please please tag us if um if we made your top five list and we will share it and that's it have a great week we love y'all so much See you next Friday. Bye. Love Bye. you. Love you. Love Bye. you. Bye. Take care. Take care. <laughs> Two words. Take care.